Amen. Why don't you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on, He's worthy. Now would you just lift up your voice? Come on, there's nobody worthy like Him. Jesus, we lift You up tonight. We lift You up with the fruit of our lips, with the offering of praise. We lift You up. We crown You King of kings and Lord of lords. There's none above You and there's none beside You. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Amen. What a wonderful presence of the Lord is here. Aren't you thankful for that? Amen. Well, it's my honor to be back with you this weekend. I'm glad it's just rain. Listen, I grew up in the east coast of Canada, and I moved to Indiana in September of 2022, and I have yet to buy a shovel, and by the grace of God, I hope it stays that way. Now, my kids would differ. They've got snowsuits they've outgrown and have no need of new ones, and I'm not complaining. I'll take the rain any day. I've shoveled enough snow in my life that uh, I don't miss it. My honor to be here with you this weekend, and I give honor to your pastor and his wife and family. I know they're away. He messaged me, uh, I don't know if it was earlier this week or last week, and our wives have been communicating He reached out and he said, I hope to tell you first, but I guess you've already heard. And I said, well, I haven't heard anything. And uh, he apologized that he was going to be away, to which I told him, uh, no apology necessary. And uh, in fact, I told him, I said, I honor you for prioritizing uh, your marriage and family. And so no apology necessary. And uh, though I would so enjoy time with them, uh, I have great respect that they would prioritize their marriage and themselves to take time away. And he said, we didn't intend for it to fall at the same time, but it it just worked out that way. No apology necessary. It's God, it's family, and then it's church. And so I honor them in their absence, and I appreciate his confidence in having me here this weekend while they're away. I give honor to the ministry and leaders here that continue to move things forward and work in their absence. I know this local church is blessed with a great, great group of men and women that keep things moving, and I give you honor. I want to read tonight from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 14. Again, at verse number 22, we'll read through verse 24. 
Matthew 14 and 22, the scripture says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. When he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. The ship was now in the midst of the sea, far from the security of the shore, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. I want to talk to you tonight for a few minutes on this subject, contrary winds. Amen? Contrary winds. Lord Jesus, I'm asking that you would help us now. I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would move through this sanctuary. I pray the Holy Ghost would minister by the word of the Lord and that there would be a demonstration of spirit and power. Lord, I can feel the battle weariness among the body. I can feel the dire need of strength, and it's coming this weekend. I pray, Lord, that you would heighten our sensitivity, that you would help us to become aware to perceive the work of the Spirit, to hear what the Holy Ghost would say. Lord, you're going to do something. There's going to be a work of strength and renewing. There's going to be a solidifying of our confidence and faith in you. So I pray, Lord, that you would help me and you would help us to receive what you have prepared. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Now would you just lift your voice and Come on, would you just feel after him for a minute? Yes, God. Yes, oh God. Lord, we're going to receive what you have. Kaye mo sande alama, uri kie alabo sukuri anama shatarama haye. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Praise be to God. One more time, would you just give the Lord a hand clap of praise before you're seated? Amen. The Lord bless you. I don't endeavor to spend a great deal of time this evening to lay this foundation but a few references given for our understanding tonight. In the scripture, wind was given, 
It's a symbol, a type, a picture, you might say, of, yes, the Holy Spirit. But it's important to understand that the enemy will mimic that which God does. This tells me that when I open the pages of Scripture, the imagery that God gives me, the words that God gives me are for my understanding of not only the historical fact of the text, but God is trying to open my understanding to the reality of this world, both seen and unseen. It's in the opening chapter of the Bible that the Scripture would say, the Spirit, the Ruah, the wind, moved upon the face of the water. And so it is of no surprise that in Acts chapter 2, when new creation is happening, the writer would say there was a sound from heaven that came as of a rushing mighty wind. We know it was the Spirit of God, but the writer, God, in His wisdom, moved upon Him to portray the work of His Spirit through the imagery, the feeling, the sound of wind. It was Adam in Genesis 3 who heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day, but it was the sound, it was the feeling of wind that moved through that garden. It was Ezekiel that prophesied in a valley of dry bones to the wind, and it was the wind that began to move. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that God, in His wisdom, portrayed the working of His Spirit through the imagery and the work of the wind, through the sound and the feeling. And so, it should be of no surprise tonight that our adversary, who mimics and tries to imitate all that God does for We know He is what the Scripture calls the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The enemy, on the other hand, goes about like a roaring lion. He is not, but it is His nature to always mimic the work of God. And so it's with this understanding. What we read tonight in our text is of great interest to me. For the wind was contrary. It's important that you understand this is not the first time these fishermen turned preachers have climbed into a boat. It's not the first time they have pressed out into the open waters, but it seems like something is amiss in this story because the Bible tells us that Jesus had to constrain them. He had to make them. Evidently, there was something happening in this moment that caused them to be unsettled or uneasy about what was happening. And perhaps it was with a little bit of reluctance, but they do get in the boat. They do set out into the open water. And the Bible would tell us that as they get to the midst of the sea, it's that unsettling distance, far enough from where they've left, but not yet to where they're going. It's at the point of greatest vulnerability. That the storm shows up in the middle of the sea, far from the security of the shoreline. Their feet are nowhere near the sand and the boat is nowhere near the dock. It is at the most vulnerable point of this journey that the storm shows up. And this is no ordinary wind. It's not a gentle breeze. 
These are not just subtle waves. It's a violent storm that tosses that boat about. Now they feel their sense of control stripped from their hands. They feel as though they are at the mercy of the storm. The word contrary literally means to be over, to be against, to be opposite. The wind that they have unwelcomely encountered is against them, contrary to them, opposite of where they're going. It pushes back against their desired destination. It makes what seemed like moments ago a simple and a set journey much different now. It's more difficult. It's more challenging. It's more wearying. It gives rise to question and uncertainty because the sense of control they had only moments prior, contrary wind has stripped from their fingers. And so I come to preach to you tonight about this contrary wind. I don't know the complexities of the circumstances in the situations that you're facing tonight. I don't know the names of your family members. And I don't know the perplexities of the battles that you're encountering. I don't know what doctors have told you or what family struggles you're trying to navigate. But what I'm certain of by way of the Holy Ghost tonight is that contrary winds have been blowing through this house. And contrary winds have been blowing through your family. And you, like they, feel like you're at the mercy mercy of a storm that you didn't invite and you certainly didn't welcome and it begs the question what then do you do in a moment like this the first thing I have to tell you tonight is that you must know this is the contrary wind does not make the word of God of no effect He told them at the beginning of the story, you're going to get in this boat, and this boat is going to the other side. But there was something that happened when they got in the middle of the lake, and the wind started blowing, and the boat started tossing and turning. It gave rise to question in their mind, are we really going to make it over there? Did He not tell you when you got in the boat back here that you were going over there? Hey, when we, when we set foot in this boat and we pushed out from the safety of that shoreline on this side of the lake and He told us, I'm going to meet you over there. And you find yourself in the middle of a transition and that unwelcome wind shows up and the contrary wind of sickness and turmoil and struggle and demonic opposition and the accusation of the adversary starts warring against your mind. The wind doesn't make the word of no effect. I'm preaching to somebody tonight that what God told you when you started the journey over here, it's just as true right now as it was back then. But there's something about the wind. It gives rise to question. And you start saying things that otherwise you wouldn't say. And you start doing things that otherwise you wouldn't do. 
Because that contrary wind causes you to believe something that's not true. It's in a similar but different storm in Mark chapter 4. In that account, the disciples have Jesus in the boat with them when a storm shows up. And in fear and frantic worry, they, they wake the Lord and ask Him this question, Master, do you even care that we're perishing? i got a question for you tonight. Where in the world... Did they get the idea that God didn't care about them? Where in the world did they get the idea that the storm had more power than the Savior? Where in the world? Listen, if Jesus is in the boat and he's sleeping, that should tell me something about the outcome of the story. If he's not worried about the storm, why am I? But rather than allowing the disposition of their emotion and the narrative in their mind to be formed by the posture of the Lord who is present in the boat. They get looking at the storm around them and they get to feeling the effect of the wind on their psyche and they give voice to a lying spirit, to an accusation of hell that says, Jesus, do you even care about me? I got a question. Who told you you were going to die? Who told you your family was going to fall apart? Who told you you weren't going to be able to pay that bill? Who told you that sickness was going to take your life? I'll tell you who told you. It was a spirit that showed up in a contrary wind. What he told you on that side of the sea, what he told you at the start of the journey is just as true in the middle of the storm. But there's something about that contrary wind and how it shifts our attention and causes our mind to get out of control. And we start giving voice. Let me tell you something. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 10, there were four ways that the Israelites failed God. You know what the fourth one was? They murmured. They didn't control their voice. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue. That storm's not going to kill you. That contrary wind's not going to kill you. But if you're not careful, your own tongue will. If you don't control the thoughts of your mind, and if you don't take control of the words that come from your mouth, then rather than being directed by the disposition of the Lord in the storm or the word He gave you at the beginning, you start giving voice to what the contrary wind is telling you. Lord, do you even care about me? Don't you see I'm dying? Don't you see my pain? It's a contrary wind. It's a wind It's a spirit, but it's not a spirit of God. I'm telling somebody tonight, not everything in your life comes from God or the devil. But both God and the devil will seek to use everything in your life. Some things that you encounter are nothing more than the reality of living in a fallen world. But when circumstance shows up in your world, 
I'm telling you that both God and the devil are competing for how that circumstance works in your life. Paul told us all things work together for good. He didn't say it was good. He didn't say it was going to be pleasurable. He didn't say it was going to be fun or comfortable. You're not going to want to get a picture frame of every moment in your life. But there's a redemptive value when in the pain and the pressure and the circumstance you turn to God. There's a redemptive work. He told you in the very next verse what it was that you would be conformed to the image of His Son. So it's in that pain and pressing. It's in the midst of the storm and in the face of a contrary wind that when you turn to God, He starts working on you to make you more like Him. But the devil's working in that same circumstance to cause you to speak things contrary to God, to cause you to give your voice as a tool of the adversary. So you, 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 you could sentence yourself to death. The storm couldn't do it. That old serpent couldn't do it. The Savior certainly wasn't going to do it because you didn't control your tongue. You did it. It's the contrary wind. It's a wind that is against God. It's a wind that is against righteousness. It's a wind that is against authority. It's against marriage and family wholeness. It's against righteousness and holiness. It's a wind against one God. It's a wind against Jesus' name. It's a wind against speaking in tongues. It's a wind against the Scripture. It's a contrary wind. And it's been blowing around. This is what I know about a contrary wind. It can make it hard to find God. So, preacher, how you know that? Because those who knew him the best see a spirit walking on the water. They perceived it to be a spirit, which tells me they're sensitive enough to know there's something a little bit abnormal about this encounter. It seems spiritual. It just doesn't quite make sense. It just it doesn't feel right. That's because the nature of the conflict is spiritual. Yeah, I know it just seemed like a circumstance when it showed up. It just seemed like, like a wind out of nowhere, but there was a spirit moving on that wind. And perceiving it to be a spirit, but uncertain of who it was. Peter says, Lord, if it Really is you. If it's really you, I want you to bid me to come out on the water. It, it kind of feels like you, you, you might be here. I'm not sure. You know why they're not sure? Because on this side of the lake, God told them, you're going to get in the boat. I'm going to meet you on the other side. So they had limited the perceived work of God to the beginning and the ending of the journey. They weren't expecting God to show up in the middle of the process. Listen, I got talking to these young people about this this afternoon. I, I believe, I, I'm not afraid to be Pentecostal. I believe in the power of a moment. One moment in the waters of baptism and your sin can be washed away. One moment of repentance and your life can change. One moment you receive the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, there's power in a moment. 
But I think we've done a little disservice in the apostolic church where we've made it all about the moment and we don't talk too much about the process. So God's going to meet me at this moment and hopefully I'm going to meet him at that destination. But can I tell you, God likes to show up in the process too. They weren't expecting a storm. And who is? But they weren't expecting the Savior either. And when the storm showed up, they could feel the peculiar nature. They could sense the spiritual dynamic working. But but they were uncertain of this figure on the water. Even though he had said, It is I, be of good cheer. Be not afraid. See, it's possible. To walk through a storm but not surrender to fear. The question tonight is what are you focusing on? Are you fixed on the words you got at the beginning? And he who shows up in the hour of greatest need. Or is your mind and your mouth given to the contrary wind? Are you giving voice to things that you ought not give voice to? Are you allowing the narrative of the adversary to play on repeat in your mind? You know what? That's what Paul called a stronghold. It's a contrary wind. He says, Lord, if it's really you, then I want you to bid me to come out there on the water with you. If that's really you, you know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm here in a boat. That by all reason of logic and science and human reasoning, this boat should be buoyant. And this boat should take me from one side to the other side. But this contrary wind has showed up. And it has stripped the sense of control from my hands. And it has robbed me of every feeling of safety. And now, as I look at you out there on the water, unmoved by the same waves and wind that so violently moved this boat... If that's really you, then I want you to bid me to come out there. Because I see that the same storm that's telling me I'm about to die doesn't seem to affect you. So if it's really you, I want you to let me share in the authority you have over the circumstance that's telling me I could die right now. This is the, I know in 2023 what we've done. Everybody pull out their smartphones and take pictures of Peter walking on the water. And they'd have it on Instagram and they'd share it and they'd have their emojis. But let me tell you something. The reason he walked on water was because he had a desire to get to Jesus. And if you have a desire for the Lord, if your focus is on Him, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, God will give you power to walk on whatever you've got to walk on. You can walk on any kind of sickness. You can walk on any kind of disease. You can walk on any kind of dysfunction. You can walk on any financial difference. You can walk on whatever you've got to walk on. But you've got to have a desire, a pure desire For the Lord. I know. Everybody else in the boat is thinking, Peter, bud, don't you know? This boat's taking us to the other side. This boat ain't taking us nowhere. Jesus is taking us to the other side. 
And if Jesus is out there, I'd rather be out there with him than in here without him. And so Peter rises to the edge of that boat and gets ready to step out on the water. And I know there's probably some good, well-meaning people in the boat that try to tell him, Peter, you can't do that. Let me tell you something. Spiritual living will never make sense to carnal people. I wonder what, what, what all those Israelites that just watched ten supernatural wonders set them free from Pharaoh. I wonder what they said to Moses amidst all their grumbling and complaining. They complained about everything there was to complain about. Because the complaint had nothing to do with the condition or the scenery. It was the attitude of the heart. I wonder what they had to say when Moses walked up to the edge of that water and lifted up his his staff and hands. Moses, what are you doing? I'm about to part this water. (laughs) Okay, right, yeah. How you... I'm sure there were some scorners and mockers among them. Let me tell you something. Spiritual living will never make sense to carnal people. Why are you doing that? Because God told me to do it. And you can live in that little boat of criticism. And you can surrender your present and your future. To the contrary wind. But as for me, if that's where Jesus is, then I want to be out there with him. The Bible says he starts walking on the water to get to Jesus. And then he saw the wind was boisterous. You can't even see the wind, but you can feel it. But as he feels the effect of the wind, he saw it becomes an image in his mind. As he starts to feel that wind and he sees that violent wave coming at him. It's not yet happened in the natural world, but in his mind, it's like a movie already playing on repeat. He can see himself sinking. It's a stronghold. It's a thought that wasn't discerned. It's a mind that wasn't controlled. It gave way to an imagination, a thought that was not real but causes him to live as if it is real. He was walking on the water exercising the authority of God over all of creation but an uncontrolled mind a mind that wasn't focused on the Lord a mind that was seduced into an arena of distraction by the events in his social environment caused him to start sinking he saw it he felt it and he lost control of his mind and he starts sinking and he cries out Lord save me funny now because that's where this journey began Lord if it's you 
bid me to come on the water. What is it to say Lord? It's a recognition of His sovereignty, of His Lordship over my life and all creation. It was His acknowledgement of the Lord that got Him into this dimension in the first place. But it was His lack of focus. It was His distraction in the process that caused Him to start sinking. But in His hour of need, He realized the same way I started this is how I'm going to get out of this. So Lord, save me. Lord, a recognition of His sovereignty, of His Lordship, not just over the storm, but over my life. Let me tell you how you're going to get out of this. You're going to have to submit to God. You're going to have to submit. You know what? You know what First Peter, when he talks about submission, that word submit literally means to arrange your life in order under something. It's not just showing up on Sunday and saying, Jesus, you're the Lord of my... No. You've got to arrange your life under the order of His Word. You've got to let His Word set the boundary and the direction on who you hang out with and what you talk about and how you spend your money and where you go and what you do and how you live and how you talk and what you laugh at. It's the arranging of my life. And then he said, resist the devil. Now I know we think of that as like two independent thoughts. Well, I've got to submit to God and I've got to resist the devil. I would submit to you tonight they're not two independent actions. To submit your life to God is to resist the devil. And to attempt to resist the devil without arranging your life in submission to God is an error of great consequence. Because you've got no power and you've got no authority unless He is the Lord of your life. So he knew the only reason I was able to step off this boat and walk on the water is because he's Lord. And the only way I'm going to come up out of this water and live to see another day is if he's Lord of my life. The error in the process was his inability to focus on the Lord. They got a word over here. But contrary wind caused them to question right here. Because when God spoke to them at this moment in time, they drew a line. They got their little journal out. This day, this hour, God said this. And they draw a line to some future date. Okay, God said he's going to meet me over here. On this year and on this day and at this time. God's going to do this. And they perceive God to work over there. And they expect God to show up over here. But it's in this in-between 
when the unwelcome storm, when the contrary wind shows up, and they find themselves confronted by this fact. They weren't expecting God to show up in the process. But my friend, that's where God does His greatest work. And so I preach to you tonight about this contrary wind. I don't know what it is, but I know it's been blowing. And you can put your best face on, and you can walk in here, your tie on, you can come Sunday after Sunday, and you can pretend like everything's well. But this is what I know by way of the Holy Ghost. There's been some contrary wind blowing through some families in this church. And there's been some contrary wind blowing through this church. If you're not careful, that contrary wind, listen to me, God knew before the storm ever showed up. Why do you think he went to a mountain to pray? For the same reason he prayed for Peter that your faith would not fail. Because the wind can't stop you. The sickness can't kill you. The pain, the pressure, the problems aren't going to stop that word from God from coming to pass. But what will is your faith if you surrender it in the storm. If you start speaking what the contrary wind is saying and not what the word of God said. That's what he told Peter. I'm praying for you, Peter, that your faith would not fail. I'm praying for you that you would live in alignment with what I spoke over your life and not what the enemy has brought against you by way of accusation. I know, I know what the enemy said, that your kids aren't going to be saved, that your marriage is going to fall apart, that you're going to lose your house, that you're going to lose your job, that sickness is going to take you, it's going to take your kids, that the same battle your granddaddy fought and your daddy fought, you're going to fight too. I know, that's what the wind says. Did God not tell you at the beginning what this was going to look like? Did God not tell don't surrender the word that came on this side. And that contrary wind shows up. Oh, God. Would you just lift your hands right now? That's it. Would you just lift up your voice to him now? Come on, I'm telling somebody tonight, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not changed his mind about what he told you. He's not revoked His promise in your life. His word is going to come to pass. Some of you have been having conversations with spirits that came in by a contrary wind. You've been entertaining thoughts that didn't come from God. They didn't come by His Word. They were thoughts that came by way of the accuser, of the adversary. 
They showed up uninvited and unwelcomed. They showed up in the circumstance. They came with a diagnosis. They came with a delay and a dilemma. They came with pain and problems. The scripture goes on to tell us when they got in the boat, the wind ceased. They means when Peter returned to the boat, Jesus comes with him. When they get back in the boat, just as quickly as it started, it stops. I don't know too many storms that stop in a moment. Just like the weather system rolls in, it's got to roll out. There's a gradual dissipation of the rain, gradual removal of the overcast sky. It comes in and it comes out, but not this storm. The moment they stepped in the boat, it stopped. It's almost like God allowed the storm for a purpose. It's almost like what they perceive to be just this unfortunate and circumstance that comes by chance or happenstance. God actually had His hand redeeming it with greater purpose. It's almost like God was saying now that I've had a chance to show you and to show them now that the purpose has been fulfilled and the lesson has been learned. The storm can stop. The wind ceased. And all those who were in the boat look at Him with eyes of revelation and hearts of worship and say, now I know You are the Son of God. You know, this tells me that there's always some people that hang around the fringe. Oh, they're there because Jesus said go. But they're not willing to live like Peter. They're they're not willing to live at the measure of faith that Peter is because Peter's ready to step out of the boat. They're there, but evidently they don't yet know. Because it's not till they get back in the boat that those in the boat come to the realization of who He really is. And the only reason they get to know that is because Peter actually lived it. 
So while we can gather in this house tonight and tomorrow and week after week, the fact is there's a lot of people that gather on the fringes. They get caught up in the crowd. They're just here because it's what tradition beckons us to do. But they don't really know him. And the only way they ever find out who he really is is when they observe those who actually live this. And they, and they say, brother, how, how in the world you, do you still stand for God with all the hell you've been through? How in the world are you still praying and praising and being faithful with everything you've battled? How in the world are, are you still smiling with all the storms that you've weathered? Well, because you live this. They get to learn this. And there's a boat full of people that get the revelation of who he is because one man was willing to actually live by faith. I've had people ask me all kinds of silly questions. Well, why why did you move your family to Europe? Why did you go to Indiana? Well, God said to. But evidently, that's not really how a lot of people live their life. God said to. Peter, why are you stepping off the boat, bro? Because he said, come. So I've got two things to tell you tonight. The first is this. That contrary wind is not going to be blowing much longer. The Holy Ghost is about to do a work. And that storm is about to be stopped. But you have got to hear the call to come. You've got to decide, are you just going to be somebody that gets in the boat with everybody else? Or are you going to be that one that out there in the middle, in the place of greatest vulnerability, he says, hey, I've got another dimension of faith. I've got a greater dimension of authority. I've got a place of greater power. I know that this boat will take you from there to there. But there's a place in me where you can actually walk on this water with me. Where the wind that rocks the boat of tradition actually becomes what you walk on in the world of revelation. How do you want to live? You want to be that one that just stays in the boat of familiarity and of comfort and of what makes sense? Or can you hear that call from the Spirit that says, hey, come on, step out of that. Step out of that, that, that level of mediocrity that you've been living in. 
Step out of that world of conversation that's been dictated by contrary winds. Step out of that world where the narrative runs loose in your mind. Step out of that place. No, he's trying to tell you, I've got something more. I've got something greater. I've got deeper. I've got more power, more authority, more revelation. But you don't get that unless you really live by faith. And can I submit for our consideration tonight that there's a lot of people in the apostolic church that live by tradition and don't really live by faith. Why are you doing this? Well, that's just what we've always done. That's what they did. That's what he does. That's what she does. What's God saying to you? Because I'm telling you, if you turn your ear to the Spirit, God might tell you to do some crazy things. He might tell you to give your car to somebody. He might say, hey, sell sell that other property and and give it to missions. God God might give you the business strategy to raise the money to pay off that construction. Who knows? Listen, I... I, I, I won't tell you that right now because I think this is probably on the internet, but I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, you turn your ear to the Spirit of God, will tell you to do some crazy things. I'll just tell you this much. I I know a man who just, just not, not too long ago, somewhere between the North and the South Pole, got hearing the voice of God to do some crazy things. Church had a big project, lots of bills. God made way of provision to come through the hands of that man and that family. And a sum of money that a lot of people would have gotten new cars and another home and all kinds of upgrades. I'm talking to the tune of several million dollars. Walked into that church office with a check. I'm talking several million dollars. And this isn't a story that I read on the, I'm talking about someone I know personally. What if God would tell you that? Listen, I've come to tell you tonight that there is a call of the Spirit that's going through the body looking for people that will get up to the edge of that boat and say, listen, I know you all don't live like this. I know you might think this is radical and this don't make sense, and, but I hear him calling me to come. I hear him calling me to pray like I've never prayed. I hear him calling me to walk these streets and go to these buildings and lay hands on this property. And I, I hear him calling me to fast. And I, I hear him, I hear him calling me to give like I've never given and reach like I've never reached. I hear him calling. But see, the struggle is sometimes it's hard to hear in the midst of that violent wind. 
when you can hear the waves beating against that boat. You can hear the howl of that wind. and There's darkness all around you. And you find yourself rocking violently at the mercy of that contrary wind. I've come to tell you tonight, as much as you have been navigating that contrary wind, there is a clear call of the Spirit tonight that says, Come! Come! What you perceive as God's absence might actually be God's setup. The problem, the darkness, the wind that you so easily mistake as the absence of God and leaves you searching, wondering, God, where are you? Where I can't hear you. I can't find you. If you would just fix your focus on Him and turn your ear to the Spirit, you would hear that still, small voice ever so clearly pierce through the contrary wind, calling you to come. Because you know why the contrary wind showed up in the first place? You know what the devil did? He he caused you to start questioning God. The certainty of God's word. The certainty of God's character. And now you start giving voice to what the disciples gave. Do you even care? Lord, where are you? Do do you not care? See, there's two voices in the wind. There's the voice of the spirit. And there's the voice of the accuser. And they speak in the same storm. The same storm that tells you you could die of the sickness also speaks to you that He can heal you. The same storm that on the one hand is telling you your child's going to be lost. and The Spirit speaks to it. It says, no, I'm right here working in the process. Now I know the Holy Ghost talked to me ever so clearly. He told me to come to talk to you tonight about a contrary wind that's been blowing through your lives, that's been wreaking havoc on your mind. And I would tell you tonight, that wind is soon going to stop, but it's contingent upon your obedience to His voice. You've got to come. You've got to come to a deeper dimension. You've got to come to a greater place of prayer. You've got to come to a greater place of surrender. You've got to come to a deeper level of consecration. You've got to hear the call and obey His voice. You've got to come. You've got to come. You've got to live spiritually. You've got to set your eyes on things above. You've got to walk with God in dimensions you ain't never walked with Him before. And when you do, as quickly as it showed up, It can stop. Come on, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you want to speak death and destruction, if you want to echo the voice of the contrary wind, that's what you're going to reap. But if you can tune your ear to the wind of the Spirit, if you can hear what the Holy Ghost is saying, and you can echo what God is saying, I'm telling you tonight, there is salvation for you. There is deliverance for your family. There is provision. There are miracles. What wind will you set your sails to? 
If you set it to the winds of God and the winds of the Holy Spirit, then what He told you on the first side of the lake is going to come to pass. You are going to go to the other side. This is not the end of the story. But if somehow, when that storm shows up, if you adjust the sails of your mind and the sails of your soul and you get caught up in a narrative of hell, you will lose I just come to tell somebody tonight that contrary wind is not the absence of God. I know it can make it hard to find Him. It can make it difficult to feel after Him. But I'm telling you, He's working. He's present. He's speaking. Come on, that contrary wind's not going to stop you. It's not going to keep you from making it to the other side. But you're going to have to fight to keep your focus on Him. Don't get distracted with the effect of the wind. Don't surrender your faith. No, 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 no. Don't let worry control your mind. It'll steal your worship. It'll silence your voice. It'll keep you from praying. Worry will wreak havoc on your faith. It'll steal your peace. It'll rob you of joy. It'll deplete your strength. I know the wind makes it hard, but you got to tune your ear to the Spirit. You've got to hear His voice pierce the wind. You've got to hear it work through the sound of the wave. Come on, Peter. Come out here with me. I'm trying to show you, Peter, that you can't trust in that boat. You can't put your trust in a career. You can't put your trust in medicine. You can't put your trust in a dollar. You can't put your trust in anything of this earth. Peter, I'm trying to take you to a dimension where you learn the only thing you can trust in is me. Peter, I'm trying to teach you that you can trust in me with all your heart. That you can't lean on your own understanding. That in all your ways, you've got to acknowledge me. That's what submission is. When you acknowledge me in your finances. When you acknowledge me in your calendar. When you acknowledge me in your relationships. When you acknowledge me in your career. Acknowledge me in your calendar. 
Ila Moshata Yarabaha Sando Yokundarabaha Lekondori Basa Yeshana Yekanda Rama Soto Moye. What God did tell him was you're going to get in the boat and you're going to go to the other side. That is what was certain. The storm was just the unfortunate circumstance that showed up on the journey. And there's two voices that started speaking in the wind. There was one that said we might die right here. We might lose it all. But there was another that said, come on, I want to show you that I have power over the circumstance in your life. You got to decide what voice you listen to in moments like this. Do I surrender my mind to what the contrary wind speaks over my present and my future? Or when that lying spirit starts speaking things contrary to what God already told me at the beginning of the journey, do I filter this word? Through what God already told me? Or do I choose to reinterpret or reevaluate what God told me based on this little problem that showed up? Listen, I'm telling somebody tonight what God told you is settled. So quit surrendering your faith to the circumstance. Look that devil in the eye and call him what he is. A liar and the father of lies. Deal with the devil. Put that spirit in its place. It's a contrary wind. And I'll tell you one thing. As for me and my house, I'm not setting the sails of my family or my future to some contrary wind. I've already heard what God said, and I know what God's doing. So as for me and my house, I'm not going to surrender my family, my future, my finances, my church, my prophecy, my promise, my revival. My No, this is what God said, and it will happen. Would you stand to your feet all across this house?
if you've been feeling the effect of a contrary wind. And you're weary. And you're in need of strength. And you've got a narrative in your mind that you know is not of God. And you need the Holy Ghost to help you. I want you to step out of your seat and come forward to this altar. You know why you're here tonight? Because you heard the same thing he did. He said, get in the boat, and we're going to the other side. You're going to get in this church, and one day, you're going to the other side. And he didn't tell you about every little storm that was going to show up on the journey. And so when the storm shows up, God does what He always does. He looks for an opportunity to work. Peter, I already told you where this story ends. But I want to take this opportunity to invite you to another dimension of faith. I want to show you some things about me that you won't learn any other way. So for a moment, I'm going to let the wind blow. I know that's a hard one for us to reconcile. But God said, I'm going to let the wind blow. But in the midst of the wind, if you listen, I'm going to talk to you. Come on, Peter. It's I. I'm present in the storm. Be of good cheer. You don't have to surrender your faith. You don't have to live by fear and uncertainty. You don't have to live by worry. You can still live by worship. And the wind is blowing. Come on, Peter. Walk with me out here. The mystery of God's sovereignty is this. That while He can stop the wind at any moment, sometimes He lets it blow. And I come tonight to tell you, I know the wind has been blowing. But the Holy Ghost would soon like to stop. But it will require more of you in this moment than you have given up until this moment. Peter, come on. Come out here with me. I don't know, Lord, I've never lived like that before. Nobody's ever walked on water. I know, Peter, just come on. Peter, what do you think you're doing? Just going where he told me to go. I'm doing what he told me to do. 
Peter, are you crazy? Yeah, I am. Because he has chosen the foolish things to confound the wise. So I tell you tonight, you got to turn your ear to the Spirit. And you got to hear what God says. I don't know what he's going to tell you to do. He might tell you to run around this building. He might tell you when you get home tonight to walk the perimeter of, of your home or your apartment building. He might tell you to get a bottle of oil and anoint your doors and windows. I don't know what God's going to tell you to do, but this is what I know. If you turn your ear to the Spirit, the Holy Ghost is going to say something to you. Because he's calling you to a greater dimension of faith and trust and authority and power. And sometimes to get there, the wind has got to blow. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Come on, that's it. You need to get a fresh touch from God right now. You came in here weary. You walked in here distracted. But you're going to get a touch from the Holy Ghost right now. You're going to let God do a work in your heart and in your mind. Come on, that's it. You got to press into the presence of the Lord. You've got to press in. You've got to press in. Ye kayele mosayele makaye namando ye kaye sorekano romosayele makayando boshataye Come on, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. Some of you have had lies from the enemy running on repeat in your mind. And it's got to stop tonight. You got to get control of your mind. You got to change the conversation. That's a lying devil. It's a contrary wind. The wind 
does not change the word. He already told you what's going to happen. Listen to me. I want you to hear me. That wind will tell you he doesn't care. That wind will tell you he doesn't love you. He doesn't care. He's not going to help you. He's forsaken you. It's exactly what the disciples said. Do you even care that we're perishing? That's what Peter would say. We cast all of our care upon him. For he careth for us. For me and for you, he cares. Let me tell you something. You don't cast your care by worrying. To cast is by definition to release. I relinquish control. This is the illusion is that you had control in the beginning. But you were never in control. Worry is to live in the illusion of telling yourself, I'm trying to control this when you were never really in control in the first place. And so your mind is given to worry. You cry tears. The narrative of the adversary runs through repeat on your mind. Like a movie of the unfortunate ending and the destruction that's coming to your life and the trouble that you can't escape. Let me tell you how you change it. 
You've got to cast your care on Him. And it's not by worrying. It's by worship. What would compel a man to worship in the midst of all this pain and trouble? I'll tell you what. The conviction or the belief that He cares for me. The fact that I know even though it doesn't feel like it when the wind is blowing, even when it's hard to perceive Him and to find Him when all this trouble is all around me, I know this much. He cares about me. Yeah, I can make sense of everything that's happening. I don't understand how God works and why He does what He does, but this is what I do know. He cares about me. So I'm going to walk in this house in spite of all the pain and the questions and the adversity and the torment and the agony, in spite of that contrary wind that is so opposite to where I'm trying to get into what I'm trying to do. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to worship. I'm going to take my hands off the oars of this boat because I'm not really controlling the destination of it anyway. And I'm going to lift them in worship. Listen, you're not going to out paddle the wind and out paddle the wave. But if you just relinquish control and you start to worship Him as the Lord of your life and the Lord of this storm, you know what would happen? You would realize that before the wind stops, the worry has to stop. And when you get control of your mind, it won't be much longer that you get control of the storm. What I'm trying to preach to you tonight is it's possible to go through adversity, to live through the storm, but not surrender your mind and your will and your worship to the storm. It's possible to feel the wind, but not surrender your worship. It's possible to hear the lies of the enemy, but still speak the words of the Lord. And so I tell you tonight, yes, yes, I can feel the contrary wind. Yes, I can hear the lies of the enemy that have been spoken over your mind and against your family and against this church. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come into the presence of the Lord. And when it seems like everything in my life is bad, I'm going to say, God, you are good. And when I can't look to him and I find him and I can't find him on the left or the right, I'm going to come into the house of God. I'm going to say, Lord, you're good. God, you're faithful. Your word, it's true. You're not a man that you should lie. And I'm going to dance a little bit and I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to lift my voice. Come on, I release strength into you right now. I release virtue into you right now. I speak a replenishment of your faith right now. I pray the word of the Lord will be solidified in your mind, solidified in your spirit. Everything God said, He will do. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. The strength of God be upon you. The refreshing of the Lord touch your soul now. 
Yes, we're going to worship. We're going to praise. We're going to offer thanks. The wind is blowing, but I'm going to give my worship. The wind is blowing, but I'm going to sing my song. The wind is blowing, but I'm going to bring my offering. The wind is blowing, but I'm still going to pray. Still going to read my Bible. Ah. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. Remember, the wind does not change the word. And I know maybe you thought that you were worshiping because what God did, but really, you were supposed to be worshiping because who He is. See, I was never... Worshipping in response to what he did or didn't do. It was to who he is. And so just because there's a little wind blowing at this moment, it's not going to change how I live and how I worship. Because I was doing this before the wind started. I'm going to be doing it when the wind stops. I might as well just keep doing it when the wind's blowing. Because this is what I know. Jesus Christ, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He spoke the word over here when there was no wind. He says the same today when there is. And he'll be just the same over there when the wind is no more. So just hang on.
Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't think God's changed his mind. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. Not much longer. And that wind is going to stop. And you're going to get where God told you you were going to get. Would you just give him praise?